Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Maroon Report brought to you by Tribe Institute, a new kind of think tank. I am the Pirate Chef along with my man, Gorilla Grio. Uh, today we've got a special topic. We're going to dive into a pretty prominent issue plaguing every urban center in America. We're going to talk about gentrification. It's going to be a recurrent theme show that we're going to call DC Refugees. And today we got a real special guest, Uptown's finest, Brother Basil. Asalaamu As Alaikum. How everybody doing? Doing great. Everybody's doing great. great. So uh, let's start it off. Where are you from in DC? Well, I'm from Ward Four, but I was born on the south side of the east of the river. East of the river. Represent. <laughs> represent. Yes, I was born east of the river. I was born in DC General Hospital on November the seventeenth, nineteen sixty-two, at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I lived in. Uh, we lived in Congress Heights, uh, right where the Malcolm X School is. It's oh, really? Apartments right there. You know, that's, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know you was from South. I thought you was always from Uptown. Nah, man, I'm from the South Side. <laughs> and uh, and my uh, parents were uh, active in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, uh, he worked for Art Display, and they put up most of the signs and stuff. In the even the Curtis brother chair that's a historic up there they even put that wow. up. so um, um, I uh, been on the south side right by St. Elizabeth and after the assassination of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King uh-huh. that's when we moved uptown in 68 oh, I, okay. yeah so what what made what why did y'all move is was it had something to do with the riots or it, I think I think it, that we had saved Okay. Enough money because they had created that area for for the Negroes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We right. was the African Americans then. Uh, we was Negroes, you know, coming out of from being colored folks right. and stuff. So what happened was um, my dad worked. My mom was a stay home mom. Okay. But my dad used to always come home and bring the money to my mom. So, like fences, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like it. And what happened was, um, um, my mom told my uh dad that, um, you know, we have enough money to move, and I will never forget we moved in the lower part of August, I think it was the beginning of August. We moved uptown, northwest Washington, and on 8th Street, 8th and Madison. And uh, we moved in there. Our house cost $17,500. Wow. $17, mm-hmm. That's how much our house cost. Wow. And we still have it to today. And it was, we we was gentrifying that community. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a predominantly white community uh, with a bunch of, you know, Jewish people who lived in the area. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were getting old and mm. Moving out and selling their homes, and uh, and we started to buy them. And I'll never forget in 1968, it was like we moved in a neighborhood, and it was two black kids we seen in the neighborhood, and we got excited. I'll never forget uh, Kevin and Ronnie Quick. They was brothers, and they helped move us in. Mm-hmm. And then after we moved there, um, we found out that it was a nice, thriving, you know, middle class community for. Uh, color folks. Huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, I mean, do you think that that area would ever 
was like that. Like, I mean, I never could see a white person living in that area. Like, because I, I mean, throughout my whole, you know, young life, I've never seen white boy until now. <laughs> like, obviously. But that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, when I was a little kid, it was white. It had uh, a white next door neighbor. I had uh, next door to her was a white lady. And on the corner was a white family. So the funny thing I'm seeing right now is it seems to be very cyclic. So how was it when you all moved in? Did they like did they have some kind of trepidation towards y'all moving into the neighborhood? No, they were old and by my parents being um, you know, active in community community life, they knew, you know, like my father I, he made me shovel the whole block cuz they were <laughs> old kids. <laughs> right, right. Uh, old old dude, old uh, people and I was young, so my father made me and my brother, you know, shovel the whole block and say, don't ask for no money either, mm. you know. And, um, and they, you know, a few died off and a few moved their, their kids came and put them in homes or whatever mm. and sold the house. Right. And uh, then, uh, you know, we had, uh, we still had uh, some elderly African-Americans on the block. Right. We had, uh, uh, before we moved in, we had... Um, Mr. Sheffield, you know, he was light-skinned, <laughs> Negro, and we had Ms. Alice, you know, who lived on the corner, and the rest of the houses was uh, white on except ours. Mm -hmm. So when would you say around what year that you was like, okay, it's all black now, like everybody's I would gone. say, we can't, it got all black, I'm going to say 1970. Wow. I'm going to say 1970 in my community, uh, we became like predominantly black. So how would you like describe DC right then? Like it was like, you know, you know, what was the vibes? Well the vibe was as me as a little kid I felt I really I felt privileged. <laughs> you know, I felt privileged because, you know, everywhere I go it was always African Americans. It was and then like they would watch out for you. Wow. You know? You so know, the big boys would watch like a, out for you. Right. You know, they wouldn't let nothing happen to you. Or if they was doing something wrong, they'd tell you, look, get on away from here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You go at home. So it was more so, family-oriented. Yeah, it was family-oriented. You know, we watched out for one another. You know what? We had our own stores. Mm. Uh, we had our own. We made our own clothes. You know, we wasn't buying all that uh, Hugo Balls <laughs> and all that Chanel and Fendi. You know, because we was into more African vibes. Right. You know, it was like black power coming along then. You know, right. we had the uh the sixty eight Olympics where uh the uh, black fist, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? You had a lot of um Af uh African Americans, they was going to Vietnam and they was coming back strong. Um you had um um you know, they put the drugs in our community. You know, we had drugs in there. They put the drugs in the community. But the the dope fiends wasn't like these dope fiends today, you mm -hmm. know. Even the dope fiends was different. What, yeah. you, what you mean by that? Because the dope fiends, they would watch out for the kids, you oh, know. Wow. They would watch out for the kids. They would make sure the kids would get in no trouble. They would walk the kids to school and everything. They would. That's why I had a friend. His name was... Um, uh, Walt, Walter Ray. He went to Morehouse. Okay, we had a, a guy, I think his name was David Brown, I'm not sure. He was an older gentleman. Like, I had a, like, he was, I had a, a, one of my coaches, and he were best friends. Uh, Larry Walls was a coach. He took, 
took me on this wing and taught me how to play sports, taught me football and everything because he learned from his high school coach who became my high school coach, Right. you see. And that was how the pipeline went, you know, one coach, you know, because most African-Americans bond through, uh, you know, men, they bond through uh, sports. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest uh, camaraderie that we have. It's through sports right. or through a coach, mm -hmm. you know. That's true. And uh, that's a, that's how a lot of African Americans uh, bond men. And and what happened was in uh, in our community, it was so much you know togetherness coming from the '60s, you right. know, trying to be together, the march on Washington, and all that kind of stuff. Then you know you had Resurrection City, where a lot of people from the Abernathy—they call them the Abernathy niggas—that's what they call them. <laughs> You know, but they came up from Atlanta and they camped out. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of them people stayed too. So D.C. was flowing black. It was like in Chocolate City. You know what I'm saying? We was like 80% black. Right. You know what I'm saying? We was like, you couldn't do nothing, but we didn't own anything. You know, the Jews still owned the property. They were slumlords. You know, they mm. still was, uh, matter of fact, a lot of them, they created the food stamps because they was owning the corner stores. And they did like, uh, they was owning all the stores, even though they, they sold out the houses, but they still owned the stores. Mm -hmm. So what they was doing, they was taking the money out the community. And they wasn't rebuilding up or and, uh, reinvesting into the community. You no, know, see, that's a missing link that I've kind of never heard in the argument because we always hear about the 70s and we always hear about the businesses that everybody had and everybody supporting one another i didn't still know that jewish people still own the the you know the stores and stuff so it was basically they was leasing there was leasing so i didn't i would thought some they would owned it at this point but you know this was surprising me because you know <coughs> uh, my uncle uncle he had a, a barbershop and this was Right. Yeah, and he never owned it. I didn't know he didn't own it. I thought by this time, he was just second generation. He just owned his store. Mm -mm. He didn't own it. So, you know, now mm -hmm. if somebody can now come in and ownership say, hey, we don't yeah, want yeah, you yeah, in here. Yeah, to move him out. And matter of yeah. fact, your, your uncle did good for the community because everybody, your uncle, I think he had grants too. Mm -hmm. He was giving out a dollar haircut. Mm -hmm. And he would have a line. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. a line of people down there because he was cutting hair for a dollar. Right. And he had one guy in there that wouldn't get no business. He's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he told him <laughs> in his shop. And there was one guy would get no business. I remember, I remember your uh, uncle because we always go down there because he can cut, he can cut the fade real good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's my question because you mentioned Chocolate City. Now we got a lot of people who listen who not from this area. So can you please describe what Chocolate City is? Chocolate City is something that it was like a vibe. It was a movement. You know, black people had pride. You know, African American brothers used to go on the corner and stay five minutes giving that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know right. and we would speak to one another too. Hey, how you doing, brother? What's up, soul brother? Hey, brother man. You know, what's up, cat? What's up, dude? You know, everybody spoke to one another. Hmm. You know, we had this pride about ourselves. You know, and then you know one thing, we wasn't really worried about. What, what a person had on You know we played the dozens and Jones And stuff like that mm -hmm. And just within your own self You know you ain't want to wear no bobos <laughs> Or stuff like that But 
Everybody else was wearing them too. Right, <laughs> right, right. And right, they didn't right, want to right. wear them either. Right. But you know, and we used to sing the song Bobos. They cost a dollar forty nine. Bobos. <laughs> they make your feet feel fine. You know, so you know, nobody didn't want them. And um and but we wore Chuck Taylors. Mm-hmm. And that's when everybody started wearing Chuck Taylors. And it was uh we played basketball. We played, you know, we would get a, uh, play basketball all day. We could stay out in our community all night, play games, truth for dare, hide and go see, you know. Uh, uh, but everybody ate dinner at the same time, which is like, you don't even see that anymore. We all had to be, and when as soon as the street lights came on, it was time to go home, time to eat dinner. Mm-hmm. And you don't go to nobody's house when it's time to eat dinner. You know, every family ate together. You what know? would you say happened to that, though? That happened to that vibe, that, that family, that communal, that bond. I mean, what Chocolate City was, why did it go, you know, tart? Why is it now, it's not even there no more? Because what they did was they stopped hiring the men and started hiring the women. And see, and that was by design, where now they have a minority and a woman. Two minorities and one thing, hmm. right? So that... That's how they came up with this. I, this is how the uh, black family started uh, falling apart. You know, at first they used to, they sent our kids to uh, Vietnam and they got killed. You know what I'm saying? And we, we shouldn't have went and fought any wars for this country. You know, we shouldn't have never fought. So you saying like it was levels to this a uh, white chocolate city kind of left like it right. might, it, it was, was <coughs> a plan that jump was when we became strong and dominant you know it was it was a plan after that they planned that you can see if you go down and you can see like the ten year and twenty year plans of what they was gonna make hmm. you can see their plan like all blacks used to be in Georgetown. And, and you know I had a question on you about that I mean I just was I was thinking about that exact point that. We need to preserve. That's why we want to talk about this. What's going on right now? Because otherwise, people won't even remember. People don't even know. Other than some of the you know people who study history, Georgetown used to be all black. Yeah. I mean, I ask, you know, ask a person on the street, why do you think all these white people would make with these little bitty houses if they got all this money? This was black people living here. Mm-hmm. It was a port that nobody wanted to live next That's to. Right. Right I mean, infested. Right infested. <laughs> and right. then as soon as it get cleaned up, white people move in and don't even make a. Uh, a metro stop next to it because they don't want you there. But what they did was it was it was a plan that the developers came in and say this can be when they start seeing other cities yep. uh, blooming up. They start saying, "Hey, this water we can make this waterfront look waterfront good." Waterfront property and waterfront property is expensive, mm-hmm. and because of uh, the nostalgia of being by the water. And then look at we got now, Southwest. I mean, yeah. Southwest all black. I mean, now, it's gone, now everything now, is going to build a stadium over yeah. here. We're going to build this. this they closed down the wharf. Everything. I well, mean, no, they re they revamped the wharf. It's, it's not the same, though. I think it's just, what is it, quote, Captain, air quote, they Captain White's? What's, what's the seafood place? only like one place over there to get seafood. No, it's a whole, they still got the whole section over there. But what, what it is is that um, they have, uh, they cut it to just a bigger white fisherman. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Now the black fishermen, it's hard for them to get on because they used to be on the side right. Right? Mm-hmm. with their little stuff. So that's what they cut out. And uh, But also, that that area down there, they made it 
they is all white developers, not even all Jewish developers, not even this African American developers now that they wouldn't let us get none of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And the thing about it is, a lot of these mayors, even though they've been like everybody praise Murrenbury, you know, and uh, Murrenbury did good for the city. I would say, you I would know agree with that. Yeah, but he was out of town. Yeah, that is That's true. 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 He came true. from Memphis. Facts. I guess I never thought about it like that. I always saw him just. Uh, I, if you'd have asked me that before, you just said that. I'd have said Southeast. I mean, that's, that was about seen about right. No, he came up here, and then people say give him credit for starting Pride. He didn't start Pride. Um, Catfish Mayfield started Pride, hmm. and Mary Bird like took it from him. You see, so. Um, these people, you know, and everybody loved Mary because he did do stuff for his people because he was one of them SNCC, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, students. So yeah. he had, he, he been through the, uh, through the trenches. He, he was taught, so he knew how to help his people. And, 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 and we needed a leader at this time because we, we was just had, we had Mayor Washington, mm-hmm. you know, and the best thing that Mayor Washington did was during the riot, he didn't lock anybody up. Mm-hmm. And he said, let these people do what they want to do. Let them get their frustration. And ironically, look how the difference is from then 1960s to now. We saw about the brother in Baltimore. We were just was talking about that. They did right. right. Gave that boy 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. The one who Teenager. was standing on the car. And his mama turned him in. Mother told him to turn himself in. Man, thinking that's going to be the right thing to do. Because she's thinking from another time period, obviously. Where maybe maybe she going back in her mind and say, hey, they didn't arrest on people back then. Or gave him a slap on the wrist. I get that boy twenty years. Yeah, but see, but that's the thing we need to be fighting for because who, who how the heck gets twenty years of standing on the car when you're excited no in the ride? Look, white folks they don't get <coughs> locked up. They, they do s- stuff. S- they the burnt. They burn cars. They break windows. Speaking they of which, bar, and they shoot. What about the gentleman <laughs> that pulled out his gun down Virginia and shot? Right. Hmm. And then he on TV crying like a little punk. They ain't giving right. no time. Speaking of which, when uh, Donald Trump inauguration, all them out of towners was downtown. They burnt up. And, and, and then miraculously, oh, we couldn't figure out who they, who they were. Even though his cameras on every, every corner, and they could have tracked them back. But that's us buying into the system. See, the system is not for us, and we shouldn't let them judge us, and we shouldn't let them charge us with anything. We shouldn't even go through their court system because we already know that is still slavery that they sell us to the highest bidder mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. putting us in we already know that prison is money right. right so we shouldn't let them judge us and that's the thing that we fall for the okie doke that they be like saying come on you know because what they're saying is come on don't kill us let us still enslave you when actuality we need to go hard i'm not going to say kill them i'm not going to say that I'm thinking that, <laughs> but I'm not going to say that. But what I'm saying is, is that something needs to be done. Need to be an intervention done where we don't listen to these people and the police. They're using the police, and this is another thing that people don't understand how much Israel is in charge. Why DC? Uh, they keep their lights on and stuff like that to make because that's what they do in Israel. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And and. Uh, uh, Israel is a police country. Everybody in there is in the military. Right. Okay. So they then they keep. That's why they 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 throw out the um, blacks. That's why they're killing the Palestinians right on the line. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they doing that to us here. 
is is them who are the creators of of the uh, violence on earth. You know what I'm saying? If somebody just stopped little old Israel, it'd be peace around here. I'm mm. telling you. Look at the police. The police come out. They shoot. Now they militarize. They're using the police as like a military. Yeah. And look at these white polices. Now they don't hire the people in the city no more. They got these white policemen from racist town, West Virginia, Tennessee, Virginia, coming in here to police our kids. Now I got a question about that. So why do you think that a mayor or, you know, any black, because we've all been black at this point, was sign off on the idea of recruitment in other places that obviously have certain type of issues with, you know, racial tensions and whatnot. Why would they even hire him in the first place to police black people not knowing any part of the community? Because it's, it's, it's by design the Jews put them in there. Like Mayor Williams, mm-hmm. he was handpicked personally. He's not even from here. To turn, this is, gentrification started with him. He is the author of gentrification. Mayor Williams. Yes. Why would you say that? Because he was put here to do that, to to de-blackenize. <laughs> like that DC. word. DC. You hmm. see? And that's and that's what he came here to do. He came here to change the whole because it was too black. And you know, and you have like like what we say, Harry Tubman said, I could have saved many a slaves if they'd have believed that they were slaves. Mm-hmm. So he didn't feel that he was one of us. He didn't feel that he was a black man. He felt that, you know, they tricked him to believing that, hey, it's not about black and white. You know what I'm saying? It's about doing the right thing. You know, these people need to do this here and do that there. And he had what we call, that most white people have, is cognitive dissonance. That where he felt that he was better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He <coughs> felt better. Had so, a little bit of OJ going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... He was Probably worse than OJ. At least OJ tried to come back. He tried to reverse it. Like I'm coming back. You know what I'm saying? You know, OJ tried to come back. You know, and uh, he didn't even tr- come back. You know, because you know this is the thing that white folks be like saying we need a, we want to be a part of DC. Yeah, but you don't want us to be a part of DC. Right. You see, and that's the problem. And you know that uh, it's homeless people like. I'm going to give you an example. In War 4, at Emory Heights Recreation, they have an emergency shelter there. Right. Okay? But why they couldn't put it in Guy Mason over there in War 3, over there near Georgetown? Why they couldn't put them over there? They ain't want them. It's not that they... We didn't want them either. You see what I'm saying? But right. we didn't have a choice. You didn't... We could have went out there and picketed it. And, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But... Why couldn't they have it at Wood Guy Mason? Why couldn't they have the emergency shelter on that side? Mm-hmm. You see, and that's the thing that we have to come together and stop doing. But we can't come together because they got us in debt. They got us. Uh, we can't even live together. If our kids talk trash to us, we want to throw them out. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the street. Uh, we we got uh, they t- making our children, our females have abortions. They doing their our own we doing our own genocide. So we killing each other in the street and we killing our babies. You know what I'm saying? Through having abortions and stuff. So they did a real number on it and on us with uh the psychological warfare. And I'm gonna have to put it out there in the picture of white Jesus. <laughs> the white Jesus has done took us to the curb. You know what I'm saying? I can I be asking people how can you still worship cracker Jesus? How can you do that? 
You know what I'm saying? And, and the thing about it is that to know oppression, like when I was a little kid, I was, before I became Muslim, I used to say, Mom, how come ain't no black people in the Bible? You know what I'm saying? Like the pictures, <laughs> gonna be the pictures of, uh, <laughs> you know, right. you know, 1000 BC or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, but that was the question I asked. Right. How come there ain't no black people in the Bible? You know, why all these pictures? Why we got a Bible with white people in it? That's the thing. Well, speaking of that, Let's be blunt then. So how do you feel about the white invasion of DC? Like how do you feel about this? this? I, 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 my thing is, is that I don't like it because they're coming in with an agenda already to, to move us out. Right. So that's what I don't like. If they had came in peaceably, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and to, um, you know, to get along and help with some of the struggles. You know, this is funny, which we always hear from other people. They say, oh, gentrification is not bad. We, you know, we hear the pro-gentrification articles. This is progressing in the city. And I'm like, it'd be progressive. I can understand, like you said, if you came in here and you sit on my block and you just say, hey, man, you you know, we want to be neighbors and y'all being cool. Of course, anybody. Black people are like the most accepting people in the world. That's right. And, you know. Too accepting. Too accepting. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> it's too accepting to the point now where y'all come on the block and don't talk to people. Y'all build a whole new hopefuls because now, oh, we got a certain quota of white people in there. Oh, it's enough to build, progress the city. Oh, we needed them to progress the city? So, our, our black skin right. wasn't, wasn't well, valuable. Well, valuable. That's, That's true. Safeway on Georgia Avenue been towed up for years. That's right. Now, then, all of a sudden. Now, it's going to get a brand new one? What was it, I mean, bro, but just like, just like I was telling you earlier, they building uh, uh, busboys and poets at Anacostia. Like, for what? They, that's not... They just ran... They running cheers out yeah. of Anacostia. They, They're trying to take... They, listen, we just shut down Bazudo. I'm familiar with Bazudo. The developing company. Developing company over mm-hmm. there at Anacostia because he don't have any African-Americans working in this construction company. Mm. Crazy, and we live over there, so you're not gonna have no people. And then, who you building this place for? Who gonna live in there? Exactly, right? exactly. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And see, and that's the stuff that we need to stop. And, and, and that's the thing that we need to really come together and say, you're not gonna live in our communities and thinking that you're gonna uh, take over. Uh, take over. And they, I, I went to, I was on Kennedy Street, Eighth and Kennedy, mm-hmm. Northwest Washington Ward Four, this morning. White person came down. I gave him the nod to speak. He waved to a white guy across the street. <laughs> Didn't even speak to me. I mean, but that that's 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 just crazy. But that's that's just how they are. Like that's they don't speak. Coming. They don't want to hold doors. They changing the whole atmosphere of, of of DC. Right, like you said. I mean, it ain't exactly what it was in the seventies. Like you know, of course we ain't. Dabbing each other for five minutes, but at least it was some kind of camaraderie and idea that oh, we it was, was like even if you don't say, you just get a nod, you nod right back. Like if you find yourself in another place and you see another DC person, are you from DC? Yeah, okay, what's up? What's up? That's you know, right. but it seemed like now it's just it, the whole dynamic. Like when I go to DC, when I go through it now, I just it, I just feel totally like it kind of feels you feel depressed. Like wow, this ain't nothing like I remember. And then not only that, the the people the people that's in there are so. Torn with like issues, the school system, right? You know, welfare, homelessness, joblessness. You know what I'm saying? All this stuff that's going on. You know, and and, and, and you can't pinpoint one thing, but it's all together. Right. And, and then what's going on is that 
they it's a target on the African American male in DC is that they're not hiring it nowhere. We only good for, they're putting us back in the trash and the garbage. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We can't work at McDonald's. Most of the Hispanics taking over all the fast food. Matter of fact, I don't believe it's Holly. It's hard for us to get into uh, some of us in the restaurant business. But as far as the fast food, I think mostly the Hispanics. Well, you can speak on that. I mean, him, you know, being a chef. So yeah, I mean, it's it's they it's 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 part of it's all by design. Let me just say that because if I own a restaurant and let's say you know you come to me and you say, oh, I want to work here. You you got your certifications and everything. I can't lowball you because you already know what you're worth. Mm -hmm. But you know you got you know the Latin American people coming in here. Uh, they don't really speak that much English. They just here to work and you know do what they got to do at home. And so I could pay them dirtball price and they're gonna work twice as hard. And so I don't believe that they're gonna work twice as hard. I mean, they might not work twice as hard, but they just that's they, the they, myth. Thing. Yeah, they're not the gonna myth. right. They're not gonna say anything though. They just no, gonna okay. Yeah, let me do my job. You people say they're gonna work hard because you paying them cheap. They're working the, hard enough for the money that you're paying. Yeah. Right, right. It's, it's, they they, they efficient. But <laughs> the deal, but the deal is, you shouldn't lowball them. Right. They yeah. But that's they're human beings. That's, that's right. the thing. They're and if they knew they rights, they probably would. I mean, they probably no, could do something. If they had their green card, they would yeah. speak up. But see, most of them come over here and they're illegal. So now, guess what? They're not from, paying no taxes. They running from ICE, you know what I mean? But but, but they scared. They, they too scared to speak up. They sending their money back to El Salvador too to build them a big old ranch somewhere. I mean, so yeah. it's a it's a it's a funny situation where you know now nobody really wins. Black people definitely don't win. You know what I mean? We left out in the cold. Like even so, you know, people say, well, you know, they'll always try to get the quip to people who want to. Do manual labor like who want to you know cook on that level? Oh, y'all ain't working hard enough. Y'all ain't looking hard enough. You know then, but I mean I give you an example. People with degrees come back and you still can't find no work. That's right. I mean I I couldn't find no work in DC. I mean with a degree, and I mean from an esteemed university. From you know and in political science of, of you know this town full the of town politics. full of politics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And that, and the craziest part in the world. I mean I baby. I mean I might have had a look. I was looking for like a good nine month period. I think I might have had like two callbacks. Mm. And you know what I mean? This is, of course, I'm cold, cold calling people, cold emailing. And I mean, so we can't win in our own city that a city that promised us that when we were young, if you do the right thing, we're going to reward you with a job. We're going to reward you with, you know, housing and success. Right. It's just a lie because y'all been planning us to move us out a long time ago. That's yeah. right. And that's, the, and that's the thing is that the plan to move us out. But the thing is that, guess what? They didn't bank on, though. They didn't bank on us coming together. They didn't bank on these young millennials That's coming true. back with their degrees and seeing that lie. You mm. see, and see, and, and I tell people that you know, uh, you know, the real soldiers are in the wounds of the mother, the ones who haven't been tainted. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we have to come up with a way where we can raise our kids. Like, first of all. We need to stop letting them send our kids to high school and let them graduate at 18. They're grown man, 18. They need to be going to college at 16 and 15 years old. A lot of them can. I mean, I feel like a lot of people can based on what, what you know. It, it, like I said, it all depends on how you've been trained up to that point. But if you've already got capable of certain knowledge, like you can't go to... English is English. Math is math. <laughs> science is science. No, no doubt. Now look what they do to you. They're going to make you take English... 7th grade, 8th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. And then you got to take it again in college. Yeah. English is English. Okay? 
it's not changing. It's still you have to know how to make a sentence. You have to know how to make a paragraph. You have to know how to write a um, um, uh, essay. Okay, so so now uh, this even and then in, in college English uh, two o two or one o two is more of a thinking. I mean, like you said, going back to that point, I think we just need more. Okay, this is on the educational department's part to now put. Uh, more uh, opportunities for high school students to take college classes. Nah, take, but I mean, before we can even jump into <clears throat> now having an like, actual program to say, hey, man, you can graduate at 16, you just pass this test real quick, and you can go ahead and start, start the education now by 20, you got the degree. Right. But we don't even, we're not even on that kind of time because everybody's still on a park test. They still want you to, oh, what do our test scores look like? I mean, everybody. Because it's about that's, money. That's it's about, about money. Right, yeah. and money. But see, but that's what we have to get out of. That's what we have. When I was going to school, our kids were smart, and and the thing is, is that we didn't have uh, AP classes and all that. You yeah, we were in there with the dumb boy too. So now <laughs> you're getting bored because the little dumb kid that we may say called dumb, you know what I'm saying? He can't read, so we gotta wait for him. Right. So now what happened is that stunts my growth. I'm looking out the window and I see Joe Blow out there cooking school, looking like they having fun. Right. And I'm. You know, a kid want to have fun. And first of all, we don't want to take orders, especially with this adultism that they was going on. I got mine. You got to get yours. You know what I'm saying? This adultism also messed the kids up where uh, some people uh, became more of a, the way they disciplined us is more like slavery. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You do something, you get a whooping. You know what I'm saying? Right. What's that? That's slavery. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because that's what was entrenched in us. And, you know, when we were young, you know, you better get whooped because our parents whooped us because they were scared that the white man was going to kill us. Mm -hmm. Right? That's deep. So now, uh, so what happened was is that, you know, mothers was tough on their sons. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mothers was tough on their sons. Our, but our family was full of uh, love and everything, you know, because our mamas was home with us. Our mamas was there. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But now they took the mama out the household by giving her a job, putting her in the government, and giving her all this money, and what's she gonna need a black man for who can't get a job, who only can work as a trash man? She looking up, she looking, and then she come home looking at the housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> She coming home looking at all these uh, MTV videos, looking at all these six, the six black rappers that they got. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just making a million dollars. Everybody think it's six damn going rappers making millions of dollars. So everybody want to be a rapper. Okay. Now, okay, you can go rap, but now look how you doing. Are you uplifting your people? No. You up here making these young kids want to do what you do. I'm riding around in this car. I got a Bugatti or whatever, a, a, a Bugatti. I'm driving around in a Bugatti. I'm, I'm smoking weed every day. Mm -hmm. I got plenty holes with me. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's the life for young kids, right? But the thing is that that's, that's not reality. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and we need to understand that, yeah, we need to help you do whatever you want to do in life. And that's another thing. That we need to have our own healthcare system, our own legal system, and our own education system because it's not for us. Right. 
and, and we keep letting the government like going to the government we need to empower ourselves hell with the government we need to overthrow that because they don't they not for us look at this in 2018 and we still talking about uh only we bragging because it's a black oh it's a black so-and-so and it's a black senator you know what I'm saying? Right. It shouldn't even be like that. We happy because there's one black senator out of ten thousand senators. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, so the thing is, is that we haven't um, um, came a long way. So, but DC is always been special because DC, when DC go, the nation go. Right. But I, I is I that think a bad thing? Because no, I mean, I'm saying right now, DC is, is going towards kicking us out. And to the point where it's taking it over. So, what does that mean for America? That's what's happening in every city. Yeah, because I, I feel so like that's been it. I feel like that's been happening in other cities. Yeah, in DC, we've been shielded because it's like we had black mayors, we had black council members. Anybody who ran the government was Detroit. black. Watch what Detroit do. Detroit, okay, they went bank. How you gonna let a black city go bankrupt? A major city, a at major that. city mm. at that, right? Yeah. Now watch what they doing there. I've been to Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. They had some beautiful homes up there, joint. Right. Right? And they're empty. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They was building a prison too that's halfway down, right? Mm. So but guess what? They figured out what they're gonna do in a minute. And the only reason why they slowed down a little bit because the uh the water issue in Flint. In yeah. Flint. Right. Right? And matter of fact, in the seventies it was uh, uh, three the hard way was about uh, uh, Flint, Michigan water. Somebody trying to poison the water. Hmm. Can you imagine that in the seventies? That's uh, now that was a movie. Right. God. Three the hard way. Look at that movie. It talks about somebody trying to poison the water in in Michigan. Hmm. Maybe that's where they got their inspiration from. What I'm saying is, is that we have to come. We have listen. We have all the knowledge. We have all the knowledge. We have everything. We never need them. We don't need that. We wear different clothes, mm-hmm. different styles, different cut. Okay, uh, they don't want us around. If you don't want us around, get away from us. So, but you're not gonna be around us, and then oppress us while we going through. Because what happened? I went to in my community. I went to all. White meat caught. They was having an all white meat. I was like, look, I've been in this community since 68. How are you going to do this hmm. in my community? I was like, not going to happen. So what was their response community. to that? They was like, well, we was just in meeting. We talking about the crime. We talk. I said, ain't nobody bothering y'all. That crime <laughs> is a black on black crime. They bothering each other. So you come and you're going to talk about the crime. Ain't nobody robbing your house. Hmm. Ain't nobody stealing your car. Right. And you worried about the crime. What you should be out here doing is worrying about these African American people that's in your community that's not getting ahead. And that's what you should be trying to do. Make your community a better place by making the people better. Right. Not removing them and putting your people in there. I and mean, that's the plan. That's their game. Plan. I mean, it's always been the game. That, yeah. It's been going on for a while, but I feel like what makes it worse, especially at this point, is that the mayor is behind that shit. Like, gentrification started with the schools. My grandmother graduated from Spengon High School, right? Right. Elgin Baylor went to Spengon High School. Right. There is no hey, more. Bing. There is no more Spengon High School. See what I'm saying? Right. They closed it 
wasted two hundred million dollars of taxpayers' dollars to put the the rail car over there, and now they talk about the rail car is dead. Yeah, and so, so it's like who, who got all that two hundred million? Then? That's what I'm trying that's to say. You know, that's they built it. The they 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 built tracks right next to Anacostia Station. But what about parking? They don't even want us to come downtown. It's eight dollars an hour almost to park. To park. I mean, but like the, the the city is behind it. Like with the schools, it's like they already started moving black people out, right? So all these yuppies, as they call them, moving, they don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So because they don't have kids, they moving into neighborhoods that historically was family neighborhoods. Right. And so what happens is they don't have kids to go to those schools. They close those schools, move, make your kid go to school all the way across town, yeah. and then you like, I'm not sending my child all the way across town. I would rather move to Maryland. So my, my child can get catch the bus to school. But the deal is, is that what we need to do is we need to stop letting this government teach our kids. Man. And that's what we need to do. We need to start teaching our kids. We need to start sending our kids to school at college at 15 and 16 because they're capable. I mean, striving for excellence is, is what we used to be about. A lot of people have forgot that. I mean, that's what we did. I mean, you, you had Frederick Douglass. I ain't go to no school, man. I learned how to read by candle. Oh, that's right. You know what I'm saying? I dug a hole, got down low in here, and I read at nighttime. That's what we got to right. do. We got we too comfortable. I feel like black people are way too comfortable, and this is why this is happening to us. Yeah, I don't think we're comfortable. I think we are blind by science. I think we're stuck in a rut because we're so busy trying to uh, make this money we want to get that job that's giving us $200,000, then we think we can do something. They think we need a, a billion dollars to do something instead of just coming together. Mm-hmm. And all of us come together and work together to create uh, this utopia right. that we need. And what's happening is, is that, you know, people don't want, we got to look at the things that come in. You know, we're all different, but we don't get along properly, you know, because they already done, you know, light skin. We still got that light skin, dark skin thing going on. Yeah. We still got that, our women trying to wear weaves, you know what I'm saying? We still got the gay issue going on, the lesbian thing, which is like, we, people don't want to get into that, but that causes you to think a certain way. You see what I'm saying? So now is that possibly we have a gay mayor. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen her with a husband or a man or anything. And she grew up. I'm going to keep it 100. You know what I'm I don't know too much about that. I know you don't. I don't know too I much. I know she used to live around Rig. That's yeah, what I know. Yeah, she used Michigan Park. Her and her brother. But anyway. Uh, like, so do you think, how does how has uh, DC of old uh, shaped how you are now? Like how you, you're pushing for all this. Do we need to have this self? You think that communal bond back then pushed all this Emotional was something else. What 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 shaped me is the community that we created for ourselves in that uptown in Emory Heights. We call ourselves we the mecca of uptown. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, Emory Heights, we had so many uh, kids the same age and different age brackets, and it was like four and five kids to a family. Right. At least four and five kids to a family. So now you got. These families are connected because your brother or sister is friends with this family and this family. Right. And then, so this family watching out for you. Oh, we used to borrow sugar, call and say, look, we need some sugar. They be like, you got some bread? Yeah, I'll give you some bread. Give me some sugar. We used to bother the kid. Man, you got some milk? Yeah, y'all got some cereal? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we used to watch out for one another. You know, I remember... um, 
uh, one of my neighbors, he lived the house down from me. I never forget, uh, Reggie Perry. And I still talk about this to the day. He used to say, Reggie Perry, he used to make the best pork and beans and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he would open up, he had a big old can of pork and beans. He'd put Campbell's, he'd pour it in there, right? Then he'd put a, a pound of sugar in that joint. Put a stick of butter in there, put it on low, right? And then he said, Come on, we're going to walk up the street. Then we'd go up the street, walk to the corner store, and he would get, we would get two loaves of bread, two short loaves of Wonder Bread, white Wonder Bread, right? We come back, and now we got, we got some homemade Kool Aid, right? You know, the Kool Aid, you got to mm -hmm. put a pound of sugar in that, too. Right? <laughs> Ain't nothing but some dying water with sugar in it, right? So now, we sitting at the table, and then we sopping. We got the pork and beans and hot dogs, right? With our loaf of bread and our Kool-Aid. And, and, and we eating this meal. And it was on Friday, too, right? And we eating this meal, sopping it, the butter all in the beans and the sugar. And that was, and we loved it. And we still, look, he, he's 60 years old now. We still talk about how we used to eat, how he used to fix them pork and beans and hot dogs. Mm. So we watched out for one another. You see, all the big boys, they were like, look, young man, go home. Get away from here. You know what I'm saying? But today, we don't watch out for one another. We don't care about one another. Young kids get on the bus, they don't have respect. We have respect. We were bad and mischievous kids coming up. But when we seen an adult, we stopped. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? We stopped. We was a little slick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we stopped. I feel like that's a new thing. Because even when, when we were younger, like, I used to curse like a sailor. But when the adults got on the bus, uh, I'm going to shut up right now. I'm going to wait. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's what we have to do. We can't be scared to approach these young kids. We have to teach them how to be respectful. And the young girls, when, we, when I was growing up, young ladies were ladies. These young ladies growing up now are, they off the chain. <laughs> you know, and this, the thing is that because uh, society has messed up, like in D.C., you know, they're killing out, we, you know, drugs. They put plant the drugs in here real bad. You know, we got a lot of crack babies, okay? So we got a lot of uh, drug babies. But guess what? You got to watch out. These white kids are these, uh, what's that drug that white folks use? The meth? Yep, crystal meth. Wait till the meth babies come out. Cool, googa mooga. They're going to be hard. But one thing that we're not doing, we're not shooting up our school. I tell people, when I was in school, brother, we didn't go to school and shoot Brother, we had a whole podcast about <laughs> that. I tell them, listen, I said, we shot them after school. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know, but not in school. Right, like, that was a, that's a safer that's place. A, that was a safe zone for you. You used to run in school just to not get beat up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You'd be right. like, you like, what you do? Oh, you scared straight. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to school today. <laughs> you know? So, but nowadays, like, white folks, they killing each other in the schools. You see what I'm saying? And look, them white kids got killed. They had a march. What happened to these black kids? Were you trying to march? They had a national march. They made them white kids folk heroes. Oh, and, uh, speaking of that, though, I actually uh, saw a video of the black kids who go to that same high school. Who didn't get nothing to say. They ain't, had, they ain't get no chance to say nothing. They was like, yeah, it's cool to have more police, but like we not with that more police in school. It's already dangerous enough as I is. In school already. We, I mean, I ain't never had a school that didn't have a police officer. In right. Since I'm police school. officer. Listen, police officer that was in school when we was in school, he watched out for us. 
Charlie Brown. I'll never forget. That was his name, Charlie Brown. Oh, and guess man. what? We would be in the back halls in high school. We gambling. They're like, here's him, Charlie Brown. We'll run. He wouldn't care. He know who it was. Him and uh, Dorset. That was the uh, knock, the uh, hall monitor. They say, they say, we got lunch money. <laughs> you know? And he come back when we have our reunions and our homecoming. The police come back, too. Mm. He's like, because he was a part of us. Right. He come back and chill. He retired policeman, and he come back to our home, Coolidge High School. I never forget. He comes back to every homecoming, mm. and he enjoys. Uh, he be sitting out there drinking with the older kids. They be talking, telling them stories. He be telling them stories. I remember I chased you around the hall. You know, <laughs> he telling those stories. But he said, I asked him. I said, man, I said I appreciate you. You know, when you was in high school. I said, you never locked on. He said, no, man, I wasn't going to get none of y'all in trouble. You know, y'all just young kids having fun. You know, he said, I wasn't going to lock none of y'all up and mess up y'all life. Mm. I just feel like that's just missing now. I mean, I feel like a lot. Right. Now, I mean, they call the police on you for real. Like, you going to jail. They call you jail like that. But guess what? The police not from here. Yeah. So, there they go. They don't care nothing about The you. community, yeah. And, and so, they don't care nothing about the community. I mean... How many kids we knew in middle school that was in jail or, you know, like, oh, he gone for three weeks. Oh, yeah. Right. He, came back to school with the ankle bracelet. You know, I don't but, know, man. I, but see, we had crime in school. I, when I was in junior high school, yeah, we did too. robbed the Safeway. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> with shotguns and everything at 13 years old. But they didn't kill anybody. You understand? They didn't kill anybody. Uh, and, and they, uh, and the police... Uh, didn't kill them. Mm -hmm. You see, right? Because it was like the police used to say, "You, you say you want buck at me." The police used to take off their gun and holster and rumble you in the street because they grew up with you. Right? They knew you. They right. knew who you were. You know what I'm saying? And then these these RoboCop system and this. <laughs> All this old military, these hired right. dudes, these guys from military, they want to kill. Mm. They was trained to kill. Right. Listen to this. Most of them couldn't even make it to the military. What makes you shoot a kid more than one time? Anger. What makes you shoot a kid more than one time? Well, you ain't that scared of your life. Yeah. If you're that scared of your life, you don't need to be working. Because if somebody <laughs> coming to you with a knife and you got a stick, you're supposed to be able to pull that stick out and take that knife and or, your, or your stun gun. Right. But guess what? When they're dealing with a white person, he can have a gun, get out the car, and threaten them. And they say, put it down, sir. But if it's a black person, it's like, boom, 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 gun. Boom, 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 shoot. So, you tell me. Hmm. So, D.C. is really, D.C., we need to get we need to get rid of the um, these police. We need to hire, even uh, Kenneth Ellaby, he was the fire chief, right? He resigned. Mm -hmm. He realized in the fire department. You know, he went to school with me, too. Played baseball with me. I uh, know his family very well. And I asked him about, uh, you know, you know what's going on. He said, what's going on in the fire department is these cats coming from West Virginia, what? way down Virginia, getting these jobs because it's one day on, three days off. Hmm. Right? So he's saying, and they don't live here. So he's saying, he's trying to, he was making them do 12-hour shifts. Right. Where they got uh, every other day. I thought you had to have some kind of residency to have a DC job. Nah, they didn't. No. They didn't that don't make sense. Now, for DC police, you so DC police are supposed to live in DC, but they don't. Yeah, they don't. As you see, I, even in my well, grandmother's exactly, neighborhood, DC police is too white. 
Oh yeah, it I is. And, and and they need to they need to take they need to fire some of them. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to make your show get uh uh put off the air nothing like that. <laughs> it's the they can't put us off the internet. Well I ain't gonna say I mean hell they got that show InfoWars with that dude who always be saying wild stuff. I mean and I guess, no, but this is the truth. <laughs> yeah that's what, what I'm saying. saying is, is we that, said truthful things. They would just be outright lying. We yeah, alright. But this but what's happening is is that you, you know you gotta shoot the police, you gotta shoot them back. Because they don't they they're not gonna learn. You know what I'm saying? They think they can come up here. Police is they have too much power. And they're supposed to be protecting us, and it seems like they're trying to put us in our place. Hmm. And, and that's the wrong attitude to have. Uh, I, was coming, I was coming home from a family reunion. So, um, you know, uh, my uh, younger brother went in the alley. He had to use the bathroom. So he goes in the alley, and he takes a piss. He got the police come out there. Tell me, you what you doing pissing out here? I say, look, man, where the hell you piss at when you got to piss? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Don't act, I said, don't act like you ain't never piss outside. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. And right. this is the stuff. Like, you're going to try it. So, and I, and, and I intervened because my little brother was, he was, uh, uh, he was drunk. So, what I did was, uh, I, um, I intervened so the police wouldn't lock him up. Right. You right. see what I'm saying? But, but I'm telling them, man, he gonna, I said, he had to piss. He going to piss. Wait, would you want him to piss on himself? I said, if you had to piss right now, you'll go right there behind that trash can and piss too. I said, so I don't want to hear that crap. You know what I'm saying? Don't, you know what I'm saying? And it ain't nothing but a $10 fine, if anything. <laughs> right. But it don't cause you for all that mouth. You trying to uh, antagonize him. Right. You see, and that's the problem. The police are in, in D.C. are antagonizing the people. And, and the thing is that I went down DYRS and talked with the uh, youth down there. We was talking about Title 16 and talking to the guards. And, and the guards are sitting up there talking about, well, how are we supposed to treat these, these, these hard criminals coming down here? I was like, they kids. You don't read their jacket. Look at them. They kids. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And right. at the end of the day, you got to be in here anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they kids. Treat them like they're kids. That's all. And treat them with respect. And see, and that's what's missing in D.C. now. The respect. White folks don't respect us. They don't walk down our streets and don't speak to us. You see, now, if, if we start slapping like Human Kindness Day, <laughs> Human Kindness Day in 74, 73, 72, I think, man, i never seen nothing like that. We're coming down there, supposed to be Human Kindness Day, and then I just seen... All these black dudes on bicycles whooping these white folks, and I was like, and as I got older, I, I was think, I thought back, and I was like saying, I see why they did that. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that white folks want us to forget the brutality and 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 the uh, racism and everything that they have done towards us. And and the thing is, is that. And then black folks want peace. You know what I'm saying? But peace come at a price. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's true. Which price are you trying to pay? You know what I'm saying? They're killing your kids. You know what I'm saying? There's no way. Trayvon Martin, father, he's soft. He's a punk. Tamir Rice, father, is a punk. Okay? There's no way that them people will kill my son and I don't go get him. And it's just simple as that. Right. And I'm going to kill him. Nobody. If a police kill my son, I'm going to kill him. It's just simple as that. I'm not going 
to go for it because you don't have to use that force. You don't have to use that force. You can never give back uh, a life. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to shoot to kill. They no, don't. They don't. It's other, it's other but you know why they shoot to kill? Because we don't mean nothing. No. Because it's easier for paperwork. No. <laughs> Money. Money. No. Money. How so? Because people will sue. If the police wrong, people will sue. But when you did, you already, they sue a person did. But they, but if they when you did, you can't speak. So now they can lie on you and say you had a weapon. Right. They can plant one on you. And stuff like that, right? Hmm. And they have they need cameras and stuff. I think I seen a um, episode of Scandal where the man came out. They killed his son, right? Yeah, I seen and that. He episode. came out with his shotgun, and he said, he said, he said, I want the police who killed my son, right? Mm-hmm. And then the man, the white guy, it was supposed to happen in DC, right? Right? They planted a knife under him. I saw that. I saw that episode. Right. They had a knife, planted a knife on him. And he said, my son, don't carry a knife. So they had to go and get all the f- video to see that this guy. And then the guy, he had a white guy in his, in his car that he took a knife from and let him go. That he was arresting. But he took his knife because he shot the black dude and put, look at it, made a deal with a white criminal. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. They look at it. He didn't shoot that white criminal. That white criminal, the one who had the knife, the black guy ain't have nothing. He arrested the the guy that had a knife. Right. So the white guy, because he didn't listen, the black guy didn't listen to him. He shot him. Yeah. So so this is the thing that's going on in our city. They white folks come in here trying to establish rules that's gonna think they're gonna protect them against us. What they're gonna do? They're gonna anger us. They're gonna anger us, and then it's gonna be it's gonna be something going on. So you, you know think the saying? future of gentrification is gonna to lead to violence? Violence. Yes, I think it's gonna to lead to violence the way they're doing it, because what they're doing is they overpricing, mm-hmm. and you know, so they're trying to move us out. Yeah. Right. So what we're gonna to have to do is we're gonna to have to tell our old black folks don't sell to the white folks, sell to another black family. And and that's it. We're gonna have to come together. So and do you stop think it. it's so do you think it's so you think it's not too late to to reclaim DC? No. Because we already looked at the numbers, right? We're only three percent from fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So all we have to do is get out there and do some more work. Well, have we I mean, I don't know saying they three percent behind us though. Well, I don't know the stats on this, but have we increased in the last ten years? I mean our population Well no, according to the twenty sixteen we decreased. Yeah, so we, I'm saying, we, so we steadily with going this, down. With this steadily of decrease, like what kind of solution would allow people to cement themselves back in D.C. so we can start to build something What we different? need to do, we need to stop um, outside developers mm-hmm. coming in here developing. So policy to say outside developing needs yeah, to stop. Right. Right. No, no outside developers. We need to have uh, our African-American developers develop our city. Help develop like Murrayburg had uh, uh, Donaldson. Right. You see what I'm saying? We need to bring uh, African Americans back into the folds of D.C. and we need to make it uh, uh, affordable for them. And we need to also petition the government to stop uh, this um, ban that they have on African American men that they don't hire. They don't hire. People don't hire African-American men. Call me a pessimistic person, but 
I don't think they will though. I don't think they will now get other developers because I mean it's too much money involved. So now to say, are oh, we gonna take money out of Bazudu's pocket and put it in? No, we have to shut Bazudo down. So how we? So what do? What is? What's the next step for after you know having this conversation about gentrification? Obviously, we all hate it. We all hate the idea we being replaced and we being matter of fact ostracized to go with it. Right. What? Is the next step from from your your opinion? You know, we've been here for since sixty eight. I mean, sixty two. You've been in DC since sixty two, and knowing this cyclic kind of situation of what they're trying to do to us, how can we stop it? And how can we, you know, change it? Change, what, change what's what's going to stop this is 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 unification of us, mm-hmm. right? Young black men and women coming together. These new millennials need to uh, put. To come back and be activists, grassroots activists, we need to start doing what we did in the 60s when white folks was lynching us and hanging us. We took care of our kids. We kept them together. We had that old way. It takes a village to raise a child mentality, yeah. right? So we need to bring that back. Now it's like, you know, kids be like, them bad kids. I don't want them kids around here, whatever. No, discipline your kids. You can't spank the kids like you used to. My mama, anybody in the neighborhood could spank me. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? And that's what we need to get back to, the village. We need to become a village. Do you again. see that in the millennial generation soul, though? Like, do you think that they got that in them? I think that they do because they are well-read. Because mm. what happened is, is that they've been to school, and most of them went to a lot of African-American schools where they learned about themselves, and they learned about the history, and they learned about certain books that read that changed their life and that stabbed them to the core the reality of the racism that they was hidden from. Like, a, I definitely think, like, I mean, that describes me to a T, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if that's everybody. I mean, I, I mean, I see, you know, you try to talk to people, certain people, you just, you know, it goes in one end and out the other because it's all about self for a lot of other people. Yeah, but on, on, on the same note, you saying that it's about self, like, I kind of agree with Brother Basile here, but, but... I agree totally. Yeah, I but I don't... Get it twisted. I don't even think it's really going to be based on people's education. I think our generation, you know, like for one, real your education can't really be quantified. Like they could tell no, you your, of course, of your course. test scores and all that, but it don't really mean nothing. It, it, don't, it don't. It's about what you what you putting in it. Right, and so what I think of it, especially in DC, because in in Baltimore, I went to school in Baltimore, and so they ha- like people from Baltimore have so much pride in Baltimore, and so they're not about to let anybody else tell them. You know what I'm saying? And you can say whatever you want about the social and economic problems Baltimore is having, but it's a reason West Baltimore will not develop because they're not letting nobody they, come in there. That's right. right. You know what I'm saying? But you know what, though? Also, but they letting the kids. There's more homeless children in Baltimore than anywhere. And see, and that's the thing is that Baltimore is an extension of D.C. You know what I'm saying? So now you have to look at the fact that we need to we need to really go and tell look these develop we need to develop this land you stop bringing white folks in our city trying to replace us mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying stop making it easy for them to come in here and 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 stop making it hard for us to stay in here right you see and that's what it's going and making it easy on the one hand for white folks and they make it hard on the black folks so they're making us like you gotta sell your home but what we need to do we need to come and show them how to stay we need to come together and show them, like, oh, they can really take your home. All you got to do is file bankruptcy. Stop them from taking your house. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They just don't know. And then fill out the paperwork for them. You don't need no attorney. They're going to charge you $2,000. Just go fill out your paperwork and pay the $300 or $200 it is 
the court fee. You can fill it out yourself to stop the foreclosure. Right? We need to teach them that. We also need to teach them is, is that these vending laws, everybody coming here from other states with these trucks. Right. No, you can't bring no food. Well, my family is one of the first families that have a food truck. We used to be down Howard University wow. and selling food. And then they stopped us because somebody, a guard, came and did something, stopped the vendors from being up there. But what happened was is now everybody can come in here with a truck. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But we don't have no trucks. We can't afford to get in the truck. We need to make it where these kids can make money, where they can vend it. Or you want them. That's why they're stealing, breaking in cars. Because they need to feed their families. They need to feed stuff. But we need to teach them how to vendor. And we need to make it easy for them. Where they can sit on the corner and sell them some sodas and water and t-shirts. Like you said, it's not no economic opportunity. I mean, you should... I mean, every city, every young... I mean, every thriving city should have a fund for, you know, young business. You know what I mean? Because you talk about... <clears throat> you spend all... Like, look, they invest all this money in these children. And in the education system. That's right. You invest millions. And then you don't give hire. And then you don't hire nobody. That's right. And then you don't offer a fund. You don't offer no kind and of situation. Then no that's you put them in debt at that. Exactly. To go to school and then they can't pay it back because you're not going to hire them. And see, and that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we, black kids, see, this is what we need to do. We know what a kid needs. A kid needs free health care and free education. Mm-hmm. We need to invest in our own people. You see what I'm saying? Because we need to give our black kids free health care and free education. And all we have to do is build our own hospitals, build our own schools. And I feel, you follow I what feel I'm like saying? one of the biggest problems that we have nowadays is the, the coming from the top, like, you know, the policymakers thinking of, of how to stimulate growth, how to stimulate the economy. You know, a mayor says, oh, we're going to invite Walmart in and we're going to tear down all these little places in Southeast, all these small businesses, and the Walmart pulls out. You don't build businesses by giving people petty retail jobs. That's right. It, it does, that's not a career. That's not a career. <laughs> it's, a, it's a job that I'm probably going to get move on from in three years. Nah, but... But hear what I'm saying. If you now did that same kind of effort, that same kind of money, all that tariff, the tax they took off of Walmart coming in and put that in a fund for people to say, all right, whoever got the best business plan based on what we need, We'll give you the we'll give you the loan. Or we'll give you what oh we give you the, we'll make sure you got the property space for everything. You know, we want to make sure your business thrives because that's what we uh cities need to start treating themselves like they their own companies. They need to start investing more back into their employees. Because we the employees right. not getting nothing. That's right. And they keep bringing they think they're bringing a dynamic person from this country, this this right. town, this country. No, the dynamic people are right, right here. And, right. and that's why we need to, but we need to invest back into our communities. We need to invest back. What I did was when I, when I um, uh, came, came home uh, and um, what I did, I seen that I wanted to rewrite a wrong in my community. So I started uh, the Friends of Emerald. Mm-hmm. We still have that. It's a 501c3. I started them. They was going, Mayor Murray and Charlene Jujal was going to try to make it a strip mall. I was like, no, we this is designated to be a recreation center right. or a library. Right. So you're not going to do that. But if I wasn't being an activist in the community, yeah, it would be a strip mall. there would be a strip mall. So now what we did was we took over. I spent my own money and we had the first fiberglass backboards. Courts, mm-hmm. basketball courts outside. Right. You see what I'm saying? I was the first one that started that. 
1991, we had our own fiberglass and the court. And I said, people was like, uh, why you ain't get some money for that? I said, we empower ourselves. Well, we have to empower ourselves. With that note, I mean... That there's it is. That's the solution. It takes just the smallest of things to now build up to be something major. Everybody think it's gonna be this quick fix. If I just get this billion dollars, if I'm Jay Z, I'd yeah. do it. It don't take that, man. It take maybe if you do like you said, five dollars to just go buy from that guy vending instead of going to Walmart. Or it take the money out your own pocket to put the, man, these basketball clothes look bad. Let me right. let me fix them up. up. Because it's my place too. I come here. That's you right. see trash on the ground, pick it up. Pick it up. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. Care about stuff. your community. And that's what we have to do. We have to teach people to care about their community. And then we think understand that once you build up your community, then you're gonna build yourself up. Because it's hard to to uh get get out of filth. When you are surrounded by filth mm -hmm. And everything, it, it, it brings a negative energy about Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And they know this. Right. They done did all types of work on this. They know all types. They know. That's why they keep it in the slums because they know it's going to cause you to think a certain way. Broken window and it's theory. Gonna, that's yeah. right. It's going to keep you It's going to keep you depressed. Mm -hmm. right. They know that. They know if they jumbled us together. They did it with rats. They know if they jumbled us together, we're going to fight each other. Right. So they used to keep us in the pack. You see what I'm saying? But listen what we have to do. We have to take that like we did in the 60s and the 70s. Where we, we used to, family, my, my parents let all of their siblings come and stay with them and get on their feet. Hmm. Okay. We need to get back to that. We need to get back I, to that. I a thousand percent agree with that. Yeah. We need to be able <laughs> start, to. Start with the family. Anyway. That's right. Start with the family. We need to be able to still tell our family that you can stay here. And get yourself together and help them get their self together. And, you know, people always say black people, the only people can't live together. No, yes, we can live together. We can live we together. We can and we have. And Many we times have. before, Many don't times let the yeah. present, don't you know, let, right. fool Don't you. let this stuff fool you. That's right. We have been, we were, we were, we are educated. We are intelligent. People say black people can't live together. We can't we be know. on a boat we stacked on top, on of, each top other. of each other. Yeah, and now you now we can't. Now live we together. can't live together. Man. Yeah, or or we was in little quarters. Exactly. All together. Only thing we have to do is don't be afraid. That's the one thing we have to do is don't be afraid to try and challenge, and then don't be afraid to step up to the people who think they're authority. They're only authority because you give them authority because exactly. you're scared. Right. <laughs> it's just simple as that. Yeah, but. I like I for one, like I, I agree with, with everything you just said, but I think now DC now is like now DC like the black DC residents don't have the government behind them because the new the mayor that's the mayor now. We I'm not never even, had the government. No, I mean, but it wasn't it wasn't actively things put in the way to say no, you can't do this. It was just like well, if you figure it out, figure like Marion Barry, like you have a different opinion of Marion Barry than what I have because when Marion Barry. First came back to politics. He was the council member in War Eight, and so like he did. A, and I lived in War Eight, so he did a lot for War Eight. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then he was like, you know, everybody was mad at him when he made the statement about the nursing situation in DC. How we need more black nurses because it's a lot of Filipino nurses. People was mad about that, but he, you know, he was just speaking his mind. And so nowadays, it's just like with with um, today the leadership today is like. Everybody is all the council members and the mayor to me are on the same page. Let's get these black people out of here now, because it's just it's like it's 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 programs that there are. DC has a lot of programs, 
which is why it's so beneficial to have a DC ID. White people got to take advantage of it. Right. Okay, but listen to this. I'm going to tell you something. Ward 7 and 8 get all the grant money. All the grant they don't, money. Don't look like it. <laughs> no, but they get all the grant money. Mm-hmm. I, I've uh, had the privilege to sit on uh, some grant boards and um, uh, for the Washington Foundation of Grants. And what happened, uh, I seen they war full. They act like we don't have the same thing that's going on in Ward 8. Mm-hmm. You see? Right. So they try to hide that from the people. And they put, they make it seem like Ward 7 and 8 is like dire need of everything. Right. Right. So they give all these people uh, the grants over there. But it's political. Yeah, it is. You follow what I'm saying? It's very political. So what I'm, what the same ills that's happening in 7 and 8 is happening in 4. Right. Okay. This happened in War Four and War Five. Right, absolutely. It's the same thing happening because mm-hmm. we the same people. It's the same kids everywhere, and 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 what's going on is that we have to ch- get ourselves organized so we can get these monies. You know what I'm saying? But my thing is, is that heck with their money. We got enough people that we can do stuff and and, and create our own money. Right. We can create our own wealth. You know what I'm saying? It's been done before. We had Black Wall Street. The white folks burned it and tore it down. Okay, we had Rosewood. They burned it and tore that down. Okay, everything we get, they tear it down. And, and, but we the evil ones, and we the ones who, who they scared of. No, they're not scared of us. What they scared of is because what they think of them own self inside. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. You know the old saying, if you out here cheating, you think your wife cheating. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So these people scared of us because they know what they want to do to us. You follow what I'm right. saying? Right, I see. So that's why they scared of us. And then and then they have this thing where it's a sickness too, right? Like I said before, cognitive dissonance where you have to make these people so low that you feel comfortable doing what you want to do to them. Hmm. Okay. So that's where I am, man. And I enjoyed this, man. I enjoyed this, man. I, I think y'all going to change this world because y'all mind is in the right spot. You know what I'm saying? Your mind is right there when you trying to help galvanize the people. And I think I think you two need to like step out and, and, and broaden your horizons. And I think you need to get in a, a political a, a politics career because you could be the next mayor or president, you know. And, and, and you need to um, uh, start. Don't think it's uh, uh, far-fetched. You know, because um, we have to, you got some old heads that that will help guide you. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need if you got some wisdom behind you. You know what I'm saying? And then get the strength behind you. Then you can make a change. Right. I mean, well, this is this is, this is the first step. You know, we're just trying to start all of this. So we uh, thank everybody for listening. You know what I mean? This We it, hope to do this again. I mean, we definitely we will do this that. again. <laughs> you know, it's... It's, it's a lot of people with this with similar stories uh, all throughout D.C., not just in D.C., throughout the country, really, of black people being moved out of their urban areas. And we want to hear them, man. And, uh, we, so. and we definitely want Brother Basile back on again for some, you know, another topic. Because, I mean, we gave some fire today. So, uh, right. This, this has been the Maroon Report. 
brought to you by Tribe Institute once again. Uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Subscribe, listen, tell a friend, tell a friend, all that good stuff. We out.